This is the MagicWordPodcast.com. We're now at the beginning of the, I should say beginning, we're partway through the third and final day of the uh, Winter Carnival of Magic, and uh, a lot of stuff happened uh, here this morning, we we're going to chat about uh, briefly, but we also went last night to Steve uh, Gronowski's home, beautiful home, uh, and he has an amazing museum of, uh, well, really not a museum, it's actually a, a, a working workshop where he's making all of these uh, and repairing coin-operated machinery. And I've got with me this morning someone I thought it would be interesting to talk to about that, and also because he uh, taught shop in, in, in high school for so many years, and he's a past international president of the IBM. Here he is, my good buddy. There's Don Weiberg. Hey, Don. Oh, hi, Scott. How are you? Hope you're having a good time. I'm having just a wonderful time. This is a great convention. Yes, it it is. always is. Yeah, I feel the same way. Uh, there's something for everybody. Caught a couple of the lectures today, and although I've seen a lot of magic over the years, I'm always looking for that one item that's going to make you a success. <laughs> I think Bob Little was the one that said that, you know. And uh, we, I saw the, the Bobley lecture with mentalism. He had a couple of cute ideas, which I made notes on. And Christopher T., is it T? Yeah, yeah. Christopher T., like T., like the magician, yeah, I guess. is a, a kid show, very successful kid show performer. He had some interesting ideas, too. I'm no longer performing, but it's always fun to, to see what other people are doing. Well, many years ago, of course, you were a clown uh, oh, and doing some clowning. That's, that's a, a hidden uh, one of my hidden identities because sometimes, well, clowns in this. Corny the clown. That's right. Corny the clown. Well, that came about in a strange way, and I owe Francis Ireland, Francis Ireland Marshall, for that. She had called me. Uh, she had a, an advertising rep in her in the shop who was looking for someone to play Santa Claus for the holidays. And Fran called me, and I said, Fran, I, I'm not a Santa Claus type. I'm, you know, I, at that time I probably weighed about 175 pounds, <laughs> tall, skinny, redhead. She said, talk to the man. So I did. I met with him in his office, and uh, they set me up with a beautiful clown. I, I looked like Santa Claus, and they, they had the proper padding and everything. And I, I did that for the, the month of December, well, pretty much through the month of December. And when I returned the outfit, in the meantime, my wheels were turning all, of course. And I remember Gene Keeney was a um, uh, magician that worked for a meat company out in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember, Con Wiener or something like that. And I had that in the back of my mind. So when I met with this advertising rep to return everything, I said I had a little presentation fol- folder made. Uh, my Joyce is an artist. My wife's an artist. And I said, I got a little idea that you might be interested in because they had two other characters that worked for the Corn King uh, Meat Company, which was one of the labels of the Wilson Company. They had the Corn King Giant, who was part of an old knockabout dance team, Low Height and Stanley. And they also had Chief White Eagle. Now, what an American <laughs> Indian he had to do with hot dogs, I don't know. But I said, I got an idea, and I showed him this little portfolio or a presentation of a clown. And, and the, the outfit was in the, the colors that matched the label, the green and yellow. And I said, how does Corny the Corn King Clown sound? Well, man, it had the right onomatopoeia, the yeah. right rhythm. You know, the old uh, advertising, well, run it up the flagpole and see how it flies. Well, he thought a minute, he said, I like that. Let's talk further. Well, that evolved into me becoming the official Corny the Corn King Clown with the Corn King Meat Company. And I did supermarket promotions. I did uh, trade shows. I had a, a great run at it for a number of years. And then when that uh, dried up, they went in a different direction. I, be, I kept, I, I still retained the clown character, and I, I subbed for a clown at a picnic park in Chicago. And after filling in one Saturday, I got a call the following Monday, and they said, uh, "What are you doing for the rest of the summer?" And as a teacher, I had the summer off, and they said, I, really, nothing. Why? Well, we'd like you to be our clown. But he said, you have a clown. Oh, no, yeah, but we, uh, we canned him after watching you, which I thought was, you know. And yeah. I said, why? He said, well, he was getting you know, too frisky with the ladies and insulting the kids. And he said, we like your style. You work clean and blah, blah, blah. So I did that. I worked for the, uh, it was a, there were two picnic parks in Chicago, in the area, one in Lake Zurich and one out in Bolingbrook. Where they had, uh, oh, it was a, a small amusement park, merry-go-round, bumper cars, small roller coaster, and they did corporate picnics. 
And I had my own apartment out there for dressing, and uh, they, they built a stage for me. And uh, I ran the games and races, did a little 20, 25-minute magic show, and uh, a little walk around for three hours on a Saturday. And that was Corny the Clown Part 2. <laughs> <laughs> Reinvented. So you did a lot of kid shows uh, back then. Did you ever do uh, school assemblies then as well? Well, uh, no, not not assemblies per se, but I, you know, over the years I would I never kept true. Well, I do have records of what I did, but I never went around tooting my own horn, but I was a pretty active performer in the Chicago area. Worked for a couple of the agencies as well. Uh, sometimes as a clown, but more so then as myself. And then Joyce and I also put together a little club act and worked for the Coronet Producing Company, which was a boiler room operation, as he used to say, a uh, a fundraiser where you would get this phone call. uh, Good afternoon, we represent the Police Benevolent Association of Illinois, and uh, we're having a show in your area, and uh, we'd like you to help us out a little bit by buying a few tickets for some handicapped children that we'd like to invite to the show. So Joyce and I did that. I did it as my single, but uh, there were a, number, a couple of other magicians that did that as well. And uh, that was a, another very nice gig. Sometimes we'd have an audience of a couple hundred. Sometimes we'd have an audience. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, I remember one time showing up, and, and somebody had filled in for the, 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 for the company, you know, the uh, overseer of the program. And there was nobody in the audience. And, and, and I, I was engaged to do the clown act, and she said, you don't get paid unless you put the makeup on. So I slapped some <laughs> stuff on my face. Give me that check. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, your contract says you have to appear. I said, okay, but there's no show. There's no audience. That's okay. Get out <laughs> there. The yeah. Yeah, give me the it's funny. It's funny. Uh, so, again, talking about children and children's shows, and you're saying that uh, Christopher T. Magician is really trying to get the kids, and I think it is important also to get the kids pretty hyped up because that's another thing. Is a lot of times the teachers or you know, the parents would say, "Now you settle down." And it's like you don't want them to settle down. You know, you want them to get hyped up and enjoy the show. You know, yeah. well, there's different styles and whatever. Obviously, it's successful, but uh, uh, Christopher T. I've, I've seen his lecture before and. Uh, some of his promotional materials. It's obvious that it works for him, so yeah. that, that's good. And very practical stuff. I didn't see the lecture, so it yeah. was just uh, uh, things for the children's show performer. Very so. Yes, very much so. I can't remember specifically what he did, but he has a couple of cute ideas. But Guy Bavley, then, you alluded to as being the first lecture we had this morning oh, yeah. at about 9 o'clock, or 9.30, I guess it was, and uh, in his case, that he was um, uh, obviously talking about mentalism, and he did a show then last evening which was uh, really great. Didn't, uh, didn't teach any of those things, but he did have a few things for sale from the show. Yeah, he fooled me with a couple of things he did last night. He, um, and he didn't tip him in the lecture today. He went, he went in a different, different direction. But he had an interesting thumb writer, mm-hmm. which was made of a material, uh, kind of a thermoplastic. It was a, a strip with a little holder for the uh, Listo lead, yep. uh, China marking mark. lead. And... Uh, you heat it in water and then wrap it around. Like a, it looked like a Band-Aid from a distance, but yeah. you, it, you know, uh, steep it in a cup of tea, you know, hot water, and then bend it, form it around your finger or your thumb, rather. And uh, they hold it shape then. Yeah. And then if you need to redo it, you just put it back in again yeah. in hot water. Right. And then he also had an interesting take on the notepad that he would hold us on because he said he had tried different means of holding the pad so it looked natural using double-sided tape or sticky tape but he came up with a little flap on the the uh, notepad that kind of slips between your fingers so you're able to hold the the pad with the pressure of your fingers and then move your thumb around the pad's not moving around and uh of course he had them for sale naturally but uh that that was kind of an interesting a cute little uh, almost a throwaway gag where Instead of uh, bending a spoon or a fork, he bent. A, he had a playing card selected. He took the card and just held it. You know, did the the mental mojo, and the card kind of folded by itself, and then right. went back in the other direction. Uh, Fifteen dollars. I thought it was all uh, very good, and also another method for uh, spoon bending, which spoon bending is all in silverware. Bending in general is all uh, impromptu for the most part. Uh, and he had uh, nice touches on that. Anyhow, I thought that was a great lecture. Uh, we got one going on then right now with uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Noah. Um, Jonathan Neal. 
I mean, that'll be... Jonathan of, Neal's on right now? Yeah, he's on now. I do want to go hear him. Yeah, because that'll be kind of an old school... Right. To the kind of magic that we all grew up with, you know, silk productions and that sort of thing. Because yeah. I was talking to him uh, in the dealer's room, and uh, I'm pretty sure that's, that, that's what that's going to be about. And I'd like to see that also. We need to go and have a seat, and we'll tell you more about that. Okay. Thanks. That was Don Weiberg. This is Scotty Out. We are heading in there. I'm here uh, this afternoon with uh, Alan Fisher, then also to talk to us a little bit about some of the uh, other things that were going on. We just uh, got out of the Jonathan Neal lecture. Uh, as you heard, Don and I rushed over to, to hear that, which was really great. Uh, but I wanted to kind of get Alan's uh, take on this also. Alan is someone that uh, I see every year that they have the 4F convention, and uh, so it's been, uh, and he's competed and won in a lot of contests. In fact, he was one of the competitors. Here's the close up you said then yesterday. So, hello, Alan. How are you doing today? Doing good. How are you, my friend? I'm doing very good. Thank you. Fantastic. You've been enjoying this convention? Oh, have a ball. We, you come every we, year, don't you? Yeah, we consider this our home convention. I'm out of the ring in Murfreesboro. It's about three and a half hours away. Nashville rig is about three and a half hours away. Yeah. And we all consider this convention to be our home convention here in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though we're not part of Ring 50 yet out in Knoxville, this is still our home convention. Yeah, it's not that far. So, yeah, Murfreesboro is a suburb of Nashville, so people yeah. who know that, that as well. And they always have outstanding talent. It's, it's really a great, well-put-together convention. Always. And this year, the show last night was such a great mix of variety of talents and approaches to magic. And that's been one of the hallmarks of this convention is they always bring in unique ideas and unique people so that you don't just have the same kind of a cookie-cutter show like you get at some of the conventions. There's something different that's going to happen. Just like the lectures. Every lecture has been different, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because we had a great kid lecture. We had a great mentalism lecture. We just got out of one that was older, classic effects, but with a new twist, a new idea. And so many of the guys sitting there going, sympathetic silks? I've never heard of that. What are you talking about? The rest (laughs) of us are going, Tarbell, read Tarbell. Come on. (laughs) As Danny Haney would always say, it's in Tarbell. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, the linking rings, and then he had the demon box, and he was talking uh, on the podcast here uh, recently about the demon box, and then he gave his presentation with that about how the silks get progressively larger and then finally a 24-foot streamer coming out. It was amazing. Yeah, just great. But it, it really hopefully can instill into the younger guys and even the older ones. You've got wonderful props sitting in your junk drawer at home. Yeah. Go get them. Breathe new life into them. Right. You know, that Christopher T. Magician was talking about that. I had all these things in the basement. I wasn't using them because I got bored and tired with them yeah. when I suddenly realized it wasn't the trick that was important, but what was the bit behind it? It was the magician is forgotten or the kid wins, the magician loses. You know, what was the concept? Right. Now take that concept and start applying it to all your other things and suddenly you're breathing new life into props you've already got. Right. Uh, that's good advice. Is that mainly what his lecture was at? I missed that because I'm not a kid show worker, so tell me yeah, a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, that was, that was the whole idea behind his lecture was saying... I, I want to be able to take something, and I get a great reaction to the, the appearing flowers. You stick it under your arm, and it pops back out, and the kids right. are all screaming. And he gets got so tired of these stupid-looking flowers, threw them away, and, and argue, argue. And ten years later, he stumbled upon something else and went, oh, well, that's the premature magic concept. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can go downstairs. I can play with some stuff. I can... I, no, that's not going to work. And then he sees the flowers and goes, wait a minute, I've been doing this for 20 years. <laughs> Just start applying it to other things. Yeah. Take that same concept and just, what's happening here? Forget the magic part of it. What's the psychology under it? What's going on? The magician's in trouble. The kid's right. It's not working. It happens too early. Blah, blah. Now just start applying that to every other trick you've got. Some of them it's not going to work, but all of a sudden you've got a new angle, a new life into an old bit that you haven't done, and it brings it back to life for you. Right. And once you're excited about it again, that transfers to the audience. Whether it's it. kids or adults, if you're excited about it, if you're tired of the rings, you hate the ring. Oh, my God, another ring routine. Yeah. But if you can start looking at it differently, approaching it differently, and now you get re-excited about it, that transfers to your audience. They feel your excitement. They're feeding off of it, and you're getting a better reaction than you had in years. Right. And so that, that cycle of life keeps happening and growing, and all of a sudden it's your favorite routine. David was mentioning it yesterday in his lecture, Kosawa, uh, a couple other guys. It's not just do magic. 
every lecture you go to, the guy says, now, go and make the magic your own. Yeah. And everybody sits there and goes, but how? <laughs> yeah. And you, you start breaking it down. Okay, what's happening in this trick? Deconstruct what's going on. Can I put a new story behind it? Can I look at it at a different angle? Instead of doing it with playing cards, can I do it with cards that have animals printed on them or something to make it for the kids? Or can I take a kid effect and make it more for adults? Can I customize it? Even if I'm just changing the color pattern of it to fit the color scheme of my show, I'm making it my own. We do that more and more. Not only are you... Okay, the dealers hate this. Not only are you using the stuff you've already got and you didn't buy anything more. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> but you're making your act more of you, which makes it more marketable for you. Because uh-huh. you, you come to a convention like this, 200-plus people here, right. and everybody's walking home with that hot new item. Right. And they're all in your market, and they're all doing it. So unless you're doing something different with it, why does someone hire you and not the guy next door? That's a very good point, particularly if you're just reading the instructions and then reading the pattern and going oh, yeah, along yeah, with you that. Do exactly. I will now take the wand and I will... Yeah, yeah. No, fi- a descriptive pattern. Or, yeah, figure yeah. it out for yourself. The stratosphere. Mm-hmm. Everybody does stratosphere. And I've been doing it for decades about Houdini. Yeah. For me, it's the water torture cell. And it explains how Houdini... Dematerialized through solid objects and rematerialized the other side. We're thinking because that was the popular theory of the day. So the red ball dematerializes through the green and the yellow to the bottom of the tube. And Houdini did fantastic escapes. Can the Houdini ball do the same? So I took the box and I covered up the clown picture with a photo of Houdini. Yeah. That's so he put the red ball in the box and Houdini escapes and he's back. So the whole thing's about the water torture cell and Houdini. But it's still stratosphere. Yeah. Everybody's got one probably on their shelf. Right. But I'm doing it in a way that nobody else is. I wonder if you could do something with uh, bubbles. You know, I mean, I, I, I should say maybe a blue uh, talking and maybe have an H printed on the blue bubble or the blue ball. You talk about this being water, you know, like H2O. This is, but the H, you know, is for there were two Harry Houdini, you know. Yeah. So this is a, also a circle, it's an O, and put that on top. So this because the water is going to be over here, but then you know he's in, or he was on the bottom and he gets out yeah, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, you know, so many people do it about a stoplight, and it's a sure. safety kit for program, and that's great. that's great. But so many people are doing it. Look at yeah. it from a different angle yeah. and figure out something else. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, very good point. And that's one of the things, too, we are learning uh, from a lot of the uh, lecturers here where they're all saying, well, you can buy this from me because I've already got them pre-made, but you can make them in yourself if you want. And I kind of like that with uh, about magicians as well, oh, as opposed to saying, well, it's going to be an $800 thing, you know. Yeah. You can spend the 800 bucks. I'm more than happy to sell it to you. Yeah. But if you go home and do about 30 minutes of DIY, yeah. you can make it yourself and do it exactly what you need for your right. act as right. opposed to... The way I put it together. Take the same concept. You've been at my lecture. You're not allowed to do the trick. <laughs> Just go and make it slightly different so it doesn't look like mine. Right, 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 right. Um, and we've had some really good lectures. Like we, we were talking uh, yesterday, we had uh, John Armstrong. We've had uh, Bob Hummer. Uh, David Cassaro was, was, was lectured, did a wonderful one. And, of course, this morning, Christopher T. Magician was fantastic. Guy Mavley did a wonderful mentalism lecture this morning where you sit there going, okay, this really isn't mentalism. This is entertainment with mentalism. Because right. so many mentalists are going, okay, has he gotten to the answer yet? Because I'm going to sleep. And guys got so many jokes and so many things. Got right. the audience engaged. Right. Keep right. It, and then all of a sudden, bam! Yeah. Your number was 34. Hang on. Where'd that come from? That's right. Out of left field. It was really interesting. And this afternoon, we're going to be, I think, wrapping up with the last lecture of the convention with uh, Artem Shukin. Yes. Who from blew Russia. every single person away in Atlanta. Yep. I cannot wait to see what the lecture is. There are and a few I'm, gold medal winners in the IBM, and he's one of them. And he is one of them. So the show tonight will be phenomenal because he's closing. Right. But this lecture, I got it. You, know, you saw him in Atlanta. <laughs> and you're sitting there going, okay, ball, hat, spin. Yeah. Questions? You know, like, right. I can't wait to see what he's going to say <laughs> because that that performance just blew yeah. us all away in Atlanta. That as soon as he got done, we all just stood up and went, "Oh, just hand him the damn trophy right now." <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, I, I was a judge, and I kind of felt the same way. The others uh, who were competing were all wonderful. Oh, but he was not taking away from any of the other contests. Yeah, yeah. They were all incredible. They were all top level IBM International. But this guy's from another planet. Yeah. <laughs> Which is another thing. I mean, being from a foreign country, uh, from Russia as he is, uh, he had to develop things on his own. 
And so uh, we'll make sure I'm not going to miss that. Does it start at 3? It starts like in five minutes, I yeah, think. Yeah, we got so. fires at yeah, minutes. So we're yeah, we're going to have to we need, we need here. to run in there, folks. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so being over there where you don't have you know, a lot of brick-and-mortar magic shops, you know, or you really don't have uh, access to a lot of online stuff, or it takes, it's very prohibitively expensive to ship things in, and if you're not making a lot of money, you're in a communist country, and everybody's you know, making the same amount of money. It's difficult, I would think, to be a magician over there. You oh, know, yeah, it so. has to be. You, you can't just walk down to the library and grab a couple of tarbells. That's right. It, it doesn't exist. Which is another thing, they're all in English, you know, so you'd have to know how to speak a foreign language rather than your native uh, tongue, mm-hmm. you know. But he, his act was absolutely killer. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, it's going to be great. Well, let's go in and uh, hear his lecture. Alan, thanks very much. Appreciate Thank that. Thank you, my friend. I'll see you soon. <laughs> okay. So, with the Magic Word Podcast, that was Alan Fisher, Scotty Out. We just uh, finished the uh, last of the lectures and, and everything uh, then, and we're getting ready now here shortly to give the awards for the close-up and the uh, stage contest, and then followed by the gala show, and then a big pizza party as we wrap up. But I'm here with one of the guys who is a member of the ring that's sponsoring that, and isn't that right? You're well, I'm a, like, like a, a Steve Bergazzi. Hey, Stephen. Stephen Bergazzi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. right. I'm a ring of natural ring 37, and but here I'm like a... Uh, what yeah, yeah. Or I don't know. Yeah, but, <laughs> but anytime I'm in the Terry, I've been to several of the ring meetings and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've been coming to Winter Carnival since I was 20 years old. Is that right? Yes. You hardly miss it since it's just kind of down yes. the road. Yeah, I've missed about maybe about eight yeah. just because of trying to make a living. You know about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, but you were actually, although not a part of this particular convention, you were last evening. Dave Corsero brought you on stage. Of course, because he doesn't have an act. <laughs> And uh, he needs anything he can. Any kind so he of brought help. on Bean, C-Beam also. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, come yeah. on, help he me goes, out, guys. He needed some big names. Well, Bean just wanted to promote the book. and just, <laughs> He just had to get his name out there. He's got a new book out. And, another uh, automatic uh, card book? Smokers. It's called Smokers. Oh, Here we are giving Beam another hit. <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe it. And stuff. Yeah. Uh, so what have you enjoyed about the convention? Or kind of uh, uh, recap from what you've seen oh, or some highlights and you know what? Quite a variety this year. Yeah, today and last night, the lectures were uh, fantastic. I mean, you learn something from everybody. Uh, Christopher T., I mean, he's a children guy, but if you watch him, you're going to learn how to make your magic better and just on his thinking and how he does that. So, I mean, so you get something from everybody. And Artem, I mean, who's, who's going to be able to do what that guy does? Wow. But you can learn from it, yeah. you know, and just how, how he structured right. things like that. So I, I thought it was... He's very inspiring. Was, yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. So uh, we had a... It was a little slow starting, just kind of get it, the momentum going, but then everything... This has been a great yeah. convention. It's really overall great. Well, Tom Forgehan had told me this used to be, of course, just a two-day convention, and they slowly right. kind of had like a night before, and then they said, okay, we'll On the same budget. Couple, it's on the same <laughs> yeah, budget, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Let's, add, uh, let's add an extra day, but keep... But no, not pay anybody <laughs> anymore, and if we can get some people to do free stuff, then can come in, yeah, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought that was great. And make it for a three-day and still make money on this yeah yeah uh so brilliant marketing and aside from that it has been fun and they've had a good registration here this year brought it up back over 200 i think or so. yeah yeah and so everybody seems to be uh, pleased with that and so this has been just a uh, a lot of fun and uh, i thought i'm surprised about the good turnout they've had for the contest both close up and stage because there seems to have been i think in general kind of a dwindling i mean even like right. international for our ibm convention we don't really have a lot of contestants. Yeah, and we're getting, you know, overseas is being strong, and I think sometimes right. the Americans were being intimidated by it. Uh, good and point. so we, we think that, all right, we can't compete against that, and we don't. And that's a shame because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, again, we need to learn and, and, cause, and, and do it. Yeah. Go on and get, get in there. And all my friends in Magic, Scott, meeting you and, and anybody I've ever met, has been because I got in a contest. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'd have done it, I mean, my first. Ten years of magic conventions. I thought every. I, I thought all of y'all were David Copperfield, and I was just some <laughs> goofball that that walked around and did stupid stuff. Yeah. I didn't think nobody would like what I did, or you know. I thought I didn't know what I thought, but by doing the contest, and I did it because somebody said if you win no contest, you could charge more money. Yeah. I didn't know you could just make it up that you're an award winning, <laughs> and uh, or but, buy a prize. Yeah, yeah, you could buy one, <laughs> and then, uh, but. Uh, I did it, but then that's how I met everybody. You yeah. know, you meet people that like that what you like, 
and somebody to come up to you and give you an idea, then you find out, man, we like the same things and and stuff. So, I mean, that's how it turns out. The first contest I was in was the first convention I ever attended. Back in the 1970s, it was the uh, Oklahoma Cavalcade of Magic. And I was living in Tulsa. (laughs) Yeah. I was living in Tulsa, and I uh, had been going to the magic shop. I learned a lot of tricks. I had taken a magic class at the local junior college. And uh, when I attended or registered, I thought, you know, there's a contest. I guess we're supposed to we're supposed to perform because I was used to going to meetings where they encouraged everybody to perform at our IBM ring. And so I thought, well, a convention. Everybody's supposed to, I guess, enter the contest. And so wow. I entered. I looked around. It's like it, it was Markham and me and a couple other guys. It's like, where's everybody else you know, in the contest? <laughs> I don't here? have to do this. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have to do this. But I and I continued to compete. You know, uh, at the times. But I think it's important that people do enter contests and compete. Yeah, so, yeah, it's it's great. It makes it's a part of the convention. That that's fun and always changes and yeah. stuff, and you, and you get to see the new people, and you get to see the old, you see people that uh, that you see them working on their every year. You know, that's correct. That's correct. Uh, and speaking of conventions, of course, this year is going to be in Pittsburgh, the IBM mm-hmm. convention. That's going to be exciting. And I was just looking at the uh, schedule because I'm going to be, of course, there reporting and there doing some daily uh, reports uh, there as well. And as I was looking at, there were two Brigazzi's actually going to be appearing uh, on the schedule. Uh, there there uh, are. Yes, I saw two Brigazzi's. Not just Stephen, but there was uh, another guy. Now, that was the last year. I, I haven't was it that. last what? year? Yeah, we were oh, there. Then we it was were. The, I take that back. Oh, it was the program. That was the, uh, that we was were the Zoom there. program, right? Uh, yeah. The, the yeah. online thing. I yeah, take that back. Nathan, That's where I saw that. Nathan owed me a favor and, uh, <laughs> and all that. I, actually, I had to pay him. But, no, Nathan was on with us last year. I doubt very seriously he'll He's make it this, this year. year. Little, but I'm going to pitch. Pickford's are going to be great. It's, a, it's in a great venue. Mm-hmm. The food, every walk around, I don't know if you've ever been to that area. But it's, it's really going to be a good time. Mm-hmm. And, everything. and Sean's done a great job on getting talent. some talent that people have not heard of. Mm-hmm. And you're going to see a lot of guys that you go, wow. The, what's the date again, 9th through the 11th or something? Yeah, I think yeah. of July. July, right. Yeah. Right. What do you think? You nailed it. <laughs> That's my job, man. <laughs> Try to keep people up on what's going on yeah. uh, on the magic convention scene. And it's always good to see you on the scene then also, Hi, what you're doing. It's always good to talk to you. And it's a pleasure. So the Magic Word Podcast, that was Stephen Bergazzi. This is Scotty out. One of the performers last evening on the Friday night show, actually closed the show, is an illusionist, and we don't see a lot of illusionists, it seems like, anymore, but that is always the classic. You start with a dove worker and you end with, a, with the illusionist. Yeah. So we didn't have a dove worker uh, to begin with, but uh, uh, we did have uh, manipulation that uh, John Sterlini did a great job, and Aaron Raditz closed the show, and I got Aaron with me right now. Hi, Aaron. How are you? Scott, so nice to see you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You betcha. And so it was a wonderful show. thought you had, did an uh, excellent job. So how many truckloads of stuff did you bring from Branson? Well, we actually, uh, you know, I learned something from uh, the Pendragons, actually. Mm-hmm. They taught me, they used to travel with a big cargo van. Yeah. And they said, travel everything as best you can compact into a trailer or cargo van. And then you mm-hmm. set that as your parameter. And if it doesn't fit into that unit, it doesn't exactly. go to the show. Interesting. So I have a 24-foot cargo trailer. Unless they pay you more. That's right, yeah. <laughs> then you rent a truck, you do whatever they want. That's right. Yeah, that's right. But for standard shows, we could yeah. do a 90-minute casino show with that trailer. Really? Yeah. Okay. Nine illusions, mm-hmm. all the uh, one man in one things and all that sort. And it works great because when you're pulling it with an SUV or a pickup truck, whatever you have, you can throw some crew in there with you. It's a great economical way right. uh, to travel. Uh, obviously, if you have to do a bigger production and you have to get into trucks, of course, then that's something that we'll do. We rent as we need it. But, mm-hmm. yeah, so we have the whole show fit into that one trailer. And what illusions did you do last night, just so people know? Right. Uh, we did a, uh, a one's called Lightning Chamber. It was built by Creative Illusions out of Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a company that is no longer, but they built a lot for Sigfrey and Roy. So they built my, what's a smoke chamber, um, but that's their version right, of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes me appear. We did a costume trunk that was by um, Chalet. Mm-hmm. I was going to say George Kimmery since we're yeah, honoring yeah. him. So yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, George, he did a couple of my props. And yeah, then we did a, a Bits and Pieces illusion, a Steinmeier design right. and uh Owen Redwine built it for me oh he did yeah. okay yeah hmm. yeah uh we did some in one pieces we did a, a a piece that we're the only one that had it it was a prop that dave and denise hamner out of branson owned called called game show it's yeah. an interactive illusion i've never seen that before very clever that thank was, you thank I, you i, I like the premise of it and i thought you nailed it as a game show host i like thank you i appreciate that yeah. um and that was something that was developed by gary olette and then uh, the hamners had built for their show and we closed with uh, puncture press which is by um jack murray's company okay uh um, Dream Illusions. Okay. And it's a great piece. Yeah, so when we do conventions, we 
we really try to stay away from anything that would be, you know, seen, possibly standard. seen yeah. standard by the Sub-trunk audience. Sub-trunk zigzag, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cube zigzag, things like that yeah. that are going to be more common. And I get why those are common. They're they're easy to transport. Yeah. Um, they have a small footprint backstage. You just need yourself and an assistant to do them. Um, but the things you brought played big, and they appeared to be big. Yes, yeah, and they are big, yeah, and and they um, and they're not common things that you would see very right. often, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, and the audience is great, and the, you mm-hmm. feed off your audience, so that makes a big difference, right? Boy, you really did, and uh, the fact again, you know, smoke and mirrors and everything, and then you when you're traveling, uh, you have how many assistants and and people. On stage and off stage. Uh, my wife and I were, uh, you know, we're two of the same as far as making all this work and do everything together on stage. And our our dream team when we do a show is that we'll have the two of us. I have a production manager. He's in the booth, so he's operating the video cues for any iMag or just video we play, right. the lighting cues and the sound cues. Mm-hmm. Then I have an illusion manager that we backstage operate everything, and we could do this show with four of us. But what we've learned over the years is that. When he's in the booth, he's got two guys working for him. And when the other guy's backstage, he's got two guys working. But they're locals. So we yeah, don't have to right. pay to transport them. We don't have to pay to feed them. We don't, right. you know, they work for whatever the venue is. Are they, are they union laborers that are paid by the if venue? If we're in that typically? kind of city. But a lot of the times, you know, like we work a lot of Indian casinos. And they're in the middle of a cornfield in North Dakota. Right, and right, right. It is, there is no union, for you know, for that. Yeah, exactly. So they're just people that work there when they do any shows. But so because we have someone who's established and knows what needs to be done leading the team, yeah. we could take two locals and quickly train them because right. they're going to be under that person so it's a great way to know now we have four more people working on the show yeah. so we've gone from four to eight and we didn't have to pay for those other four people right so it's a great quick way to get that labor yeah, and, and low cost for you then also it makes low it more cost. efficient yeah. whenever you get and, and it's not like we so. went to you know the boy scouts club and pull off someone just to say hey come help us out for the heck right. they're people that do theater correct so they're trained in knowing cues they know right. stage left stage right they know how to lift they know how to do that sort of thing well, when I get to Branson, uh, I'm going to visit with you in much more detail, and we'll sit down and do a, a chat and have an episode because I'd like to talk more in detail about uh, about the illusionists and how you, how you build your show and why you got into illusions. Because there are a lot of uh, young guys, most people who get into magic start with uh, doing close-up because the price of entry is cheap. It's a deck of cards right. as opposed to going and buying. I mean, most people just don't jump into illusions immediately. Right. You kind of, I would assume, the same way path with you that. It is, yeah. It's funny because it's like I have some of my friends that had the path I did where we didn't come from wealthy families and there wasn't mom and dad weren't buying us a yeah. bunch of props. See, that's some people do. <laughs> they do. Yeah, that's the other side. Yeah. And and that, God bless them. Yeah. But that's my buddies and I that we all had to save and get there step by step. And, you know, when you do it that way, you certainly appreciate everything you have Absolutely. greatly. Yeah. And but I understand why a lot of you know we're, we're a dying breed illusionists and it's sad. It's exactly um, right. That's why I wanted to want to talk with you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in more detail about that because again there are fewer and fewer illusionists, that, particularly touring, right. because uh, just as you said, it's hard to tour with a show. That's why you'd rather have a residency, you know, someplace exactly. people come to see you. Right. You know? mm-hmm. And so many uh, there's a lot of illusionists now that have changed over and gone to being a one man show. Mm-hmm. And and again I get it. Yeah. You know, you're traveling two suitcases of props. You fly into cruise ships. You right. do a corporate. Right. Right. I, I get it, and you can still make good money doing it. It's a great living. Yeah. But this is in my blood. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a Copperfield kid. I grew up on those specials yeah. in the yeah. '90s. Yeah. That's just, that's what made me want to do this. Yeah. And that's where my passion is. And I'm sure one day I won't feel like lifting heavy cases anymore. But <laughs> you can be my age, you won't be able to do that. That's, that's true. But right now, I still like it. When you, one last question: When you leave Branson, is there someone who fills in for you, or is it pretty much you and say we're going to be dark? We just do chunks or? of time there, and okay. then yeah, certain spots on. Gig- and then we go. So the road is where we spend our time, yeah. mostly with theme parks and casinos. Yeah. And then we'll do chunks. Interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. So how have you enjoyed this convention? I'm assuming it's the first time you've been to first the time. I love it. And? I, it's absolutely convention? fantastic. You know yeah. what? My favorite convention is the layback ones where everyone feels like their family. Yeah. I grew up at Abbott's Magic Get Together. That yes. was where I cut my teeth as yep. a magic Camp kid. Camp yeah. Yep. And this is the next most like that I've ever felt at a convention. Uh-huh. And it's yeah. wonderful. And it's my first time, you know. Yeah. And, of course, I see a lot of friendly faces from the magic community. Sure. But there's a lot of people I just met, and they already feel like they're old friends. Yeah, that's great. Well, I've just spent some time with you, and I feel the same way as well about oh, you. Oh, thank you, Scott. I appreciate that. <laughs> thank you, Aaron. So the Magic Word Podcast, that was Aaron Raditz. This is Scotty L. I am now with uh, Guy Babley, who is someone who was uh, one of the performers in last night's uh, show and also uh, lecture. So, hey, hello, Guy. Hey, how are you? Fantastic. Scott. And so you were also a dealer uh, as well. Sure. So you kind of did a little bit of everything. I called I mean, on you to do everything. I hate saying it out loud. <laughs> but when you do a lecture in a magic convention, guess what? Yeah. You have to deal with That's right. something. That's right. 
Um, and so when you were uh, performing, is uh, is that part of what you normally do, like in a full show? When you're yeah. okay, hundred percent. What I did yesterday is a part of what I do, and also what I what we sell. You know, we have a company called Backwater Magic. What we sell there is everything that we do. We, there's nothing there that we didn't perform actively perform, used to perform, or one of us at least perform. Right. Yeah. And who is in uh, Baccarat uh, Magic? You and Heim Goldberg? Yeah, me, myself, Heim Goldenberg, and I'm um, uh, from Canada, also Israeli, by, uh, they originated. And, <coughs> sorry, and Amir Lustig. Amir Lustig is an incredible mentalist from Israel, a funny guy. Is one of the pioneers in Israel. If somebody is doing anything in Israel, and we all know that Israel has very good mentalists, uh, he's the go guy there. So he's a great thinker and he's a part of Bakura Magic. And he was one of the uh, magicians who was supposed to be touring with you, yes. and it ended up just being you and, uh, and Chaim. Yes, because he's in Israel, it's very, very hard to coordinate, especially when you look about small clubs. Uh-huh. But then we did Blackpool and they booked all three of us. So we, we, we went there, all three of us. And how was Blackpool for you? Incredible. Uh, beside the fact that I came back with COVID, everything was fine. Oh, you did? Oh, my God. <laughs> How long did that last? 4,000 magicians, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, uh, five days, like the clock. Not not bad. Then you got over that? Yeah, no, I got over that and, uh, and everything. I mean, I checked myself once. It said, you know, uh, and then I, I, I believe, I'm sure it was there. You get 4,000 magicians rubbing shoulders yeah. and, and and we had no not even a, a time to breathe you know I was uh, Magic Live last year and I was sitting next to uh, Trick uh, Watson and, uh, and we were chatting like we are now in the same microphone and about that evening that was like in the morning at the morning session in the afternoon he called me and said Scott I'm sorry he said I just tested positive you know for uh, COVID so you might check yourself or you know be aware and thankfully I was fine but he wasn't well I I, I didn't know until I came back like three four four days later yeah. but uh, the good thing is that now I'm over it I'm so immune I can kiss and hug everybody here <laughs> did you say at the Ruskin uh, no, uh, the Ruskin is still the place where they do the you know the jamming, yeah. but they put us in another hotel which I cannot. They have a new hotel now, which is newer, uh, nicer rooms, and uh, also relatively close. I think even closer to the place. I forgot the name for crying out loud. Did you almost sell out a product of everything you brought over there? Yeah, yeah we sold we sold out nearly. We we brought five or six new items. We sold out of four of them. Uh, completely. Now, this is your first winter carnival, I assume. First winter carnival and first uh, actual magic convention in the U.S. for 20 years. And so, how are you enjoying it? I love it. You know, I, I disappeared a little bit from magic. I still created stuff, but for me and my friends and, you know, consulting for others. Right. But uh, COVID brought me back to creating stuff. I used to have a company called Pro Magic, pro-magic.com. It still exists, but then Bakura Magic came because of COVID. We did a lot of virtual magic. Magic creating creation, and uh, it brought me back to the magic world, which I love. This convention is wonderful. It's very low key, nice people. It's not too big. It's not too small. Uh, it's it's just wonderful. I really enjoyed it, and uh, I'm not in the convention circle. You know, you usually see the same faces all over again. Uh, so uh, it was nice. Tom asked me to to do it, and of course I agreed. And I think you were involved in this. So uh, that was great. Thank you for that. Glad this all worked out. This has yeah, been just, yeah. it's a lot of fun. And uh, like right now, everything that you're hearing in the background, we're, this is the final night party. We're having just uh, a pizza party, which is the way they've been closing out this uh, convention for years. And the reason we're talking so slow, because both of us had about four or five pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yes, we have. It is getting full. It's right. And having a soda and everything. <laughs> Yeah, getting more for shutting down. Right. Right. So you got to see some of the people behind the scenes with the show, but also you got to hear some of the other lectures. What was some of the highlights for this convention here this year? Um, of course, Artem from tonight. Artem he, Shukin, yeah, amazing. He was amazing. Uh, actually, he was with uh, with us in Blackpool, and I also saw him in FISM. Yeah. But, you know, we never had the ability to talk in FISM. In Blackpool, I didn't even know who was on. It was that busy. Uh, but we had a lot of time to chat today. He was magnificent. I think that everybody, the, the, the crew here is fantastic. My experience with them, Bobby on the sound and 
and everybody. Yesterday, uh, Tom's, uh, Steve's house. Yep, Steve Gronowski's house last night. That was amazing, oh, wasn't it? Oh, my, crying out loud. This is a place, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm moving in. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Let me just live, live in the workshop. <laughs> Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was really, really nice. Uh, everything, you know, seeing friends, seeing you, you know, and, and everybody else. It's really, really fun. Highly recommended convention. There you go. Take it from someone who is up their first time. It probably won't be your last, will it? Uh, it depends if they call or not. Yeah. <laughs> so where is your next convention? You said this is your first U.S. convention. No, no, no. But I, I don't have any other convention. Nothing for the rest of this year? No, nothing this. I have, I have a show tomorrow night. Yeah. I'm flying to Fort Lauderdale, landing around 6, and I have a show at 9. Okay. Cross fingers for me. <laughs> so, uh, But I, I mostly work. I, I work for, for corporate and uh, private, private VIP kind of events and PACs and casino, that's what I do. You sound like Lior Manor, you know, Lior also. You know, me and uh, Lior and I started together in 1985. Uh, we did the first convention in Israel, and his mentor was my mentor, Ronnie Shachnai. So me and Lior grew up together. He's my oldest magic friend, and we're still buddies until today. I did an episode with him a couple of years ago at uh, Abbott's when we were there for Abbott's get-together, and we went into this room where it was really quiet. I was supposed to go with him to Abbott's. You were? Yes, and then I was in New York doing something, I think it was a TV show, and then I got COVID again. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, I don't know why this is, there is a vicious circle here, but I hope no more. I have, I have like four or five vaccines, and I don't know why it should kick Sometimes in at some point. People, people get it, and they get it again. Yeah, I, you're not unusual. I don't know. I, yeah. So I hope it will be my last well, time. Well, I hope so, too. Yeah. But uh, I look forward to seeing you down the road then also. It's been fun working with you, too. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. I appreciate your help with the, with the tour we did. You did a fantastic work. Yeah. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. So the Magic Word Podcast, that was Guy Babley. This is Scotty out. Another person who'd come down from uh, Nashville, we talked with Steve Bragazzi a little bit earlier, and uh, Stephen uh, is, as I said, from Nashville. Another guy from Nashville here is Jason Michaels. I've got him with me then now. Hey, Jason. Hey, Scott. How are you? I'm fantastic. So how was the convention for you? I So being from Nashville, I am very familiar with this. It's like my sort of... It's not my local convention because, you know, but it's just right down the road. So right. it's a couple hours drive. I always enjoy it. This was a, this was a great convention this year. Uh, we had a contingent travel down from Nashville, so there were a whole bunch of us having fun. And the talent was great. I mean, I, there were some real highlights for me. I got to... I, I, I know David Corsero, but I'd never heard him lecture. And his lecture was... It was a beast. It was so good. Like, it just his magic is so. He knows exactly the, his function when he's at an event and how to make that magic shine for his client. It was great. Um, yeah, it was great. And then, you know, Guy Bovley today, super strong material. Uh, the shows were super fun. I mean, it's just been it's been a really strong convention. I feel like. Uh, Tom, who Tom Forjahan, who uh, does puts the whole thing together uh, with with uh, Ring Fifty Eight. I thought they did a killer job. Speaking of uh, Dave Corsero, he was another one who was on Penn and Teller Foolish, as you were as well. Uh, <laughs> I, that was a wonderful experience. Uh, yeah, David. Yeah, it, it's amazing. So they, um, my experience with that show is that they really want you to shine. As as a, as a magician, and they are willing to go to great lengths to kind of help you have a great experience. And I had a great experience. It was uh, it was a thrill. What do you mean to, like I pick you up at the airport and everything, or well, put you yeah, up at the hotel? Uh, yeah, I, I mean the whole from the whole thing. I mean even just like uh, pre, you know, before the, you even get there, having conversations so that you understand what kind of how things work and the expectation and everything like that. And so, um, you know, obviously, yes, they picked me up at the airport. They put us put us up in hotels. Uh, but, I mean, even it's just, just the way that they treat the magicians. Now, I mean, it's a show where, like, it's very genuine. Like, Penn and Teller never see any of the talent until... That you, that, that literally, you walk out onto that stage in front of them for the first time, and you're, you, you just go to work. Right. So um, you were nervous, were you? Oh, I was nervous <laughs> out of my mind. You know, it's so funny because I did a really technical trick 
probably one of the more technical things that I do. Uh, and the trick was kind of, it was kind of developed just for that show. Um, but uh, I thought that the trick was really sound. So that, that made me, that made me even more nervous. But I, the content of the trick being, you know, as someone who lives with the, the neurological disorder Tourette syndrome, it was kind of being an advocate for people with Tourette syndrome. But it was also poking fun at myself a little bit, kind of. Because one of the things I learned from being friends with Stephen Bargatze is learning how to laugh at yourself. Yeah. You, you know, when you deal with difficult things and you, you kind of have some obstacles you have to overcome in life, you can either cry about it or you can laugh about it. And I've, I've, I've done the thing where I've, I've felt sorry for myself or I've felt really embarrassed by the tics that are associated with Tourette syndrome. But then what I what took me a very long time is learning how to see the humor in it. And so um, to be able to, to put something out into the world that, for the most part, has gotten unbelievable response. People have really, really, really yeah, it's got very good response by people. People contacting you and saying, hey, I'm glad you've drawn attention to this and I've got this or my son or whatever. Yeah, some, some of that. Um, People chat, you know, chatting with people after the fact, comments on videos and stuff like that. Just a lot of the comments that people made were very supportive, and it, it, it was very nice because I was a little worried. Because the trick, if you look at the trick, it, the trick is called four-letter words. It's a little bit controversial. I mean, it's. I mean, it would be easy to look at that trick and go, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe this guy is doing that." But when you see it in the context of the whole thing, it makes sense. It's so, a good routine. Thank. Well, thank yeah. you. Yeah. And I uh, have to uh, again compliment you on for going that route and kind of addressing the elephant in the room. Yeah. Because I think that you have to, and as, as Stephen had said, it kind of have to laugh at yourself in that way that it makes the rest of the audience comfortable saying, "Okay, I guess he's fine with that. I'm fine with this then too." A hundred percent. That's yes. That is exactly right. Um, so whatever your malady might be, whoever's listening to this might be thinking, "Well, I'm overweight, or I don't look the way I should, or I don't speak, or whatever it is." Shouldn't worry about that, you know. So Stephen told me. He said to me, "You know what you should do in your magic is you should talk. You should talk about having Tourette syndrome." And I said, "No, I'll never do that." And he stayed on. He stayed on that. It took him years to convince me to do it, and what finally happened is that when I started talking about it, I ne- and I'll tell you, I never saw this coming from a mile away. When I finally started talking about it, the embarrassment started to subside, and I just I learned the word normalize, which is just to realize that for me, Tourette syndrome is just part of my life. That's just part of my makeup, and it's just it, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's just that's just how it is for me, and so, so the ability to laugh and talk about it and all that can be for for a lot of people. Once they get to that place, it can be very healing. So it was because it certainly was for me. There you go. Well, thank you, Jason, very yes, much. Sir. My pleasure. That. Glad you enjoyed the convention too. It was a lot of fun all the way around. So with the Magic Word Podcast, that was Jason Michaels, Scotty out. Well, I don't think the uh, convention would be complete without someone who was a starring attraction, and that was uh, Artem Shukin, who was the... Uh, uh, there were a lot of standouts. I mean, in so many ways, in performing and lecturing, uh, in the contests and everything. Uh, but the person who closed the show then this evening from uh, uh, from Russia was uh, Artem Shukin, who was a FISM winner in manipulation in first place, as well as a gold medal winner with the IBM and elsewhere then as well. So, hey there, Artem, how are you doing tonight? Thanks, thanks, thanks so <laughs> much. Have a great time. Introducing, yeah, have a great time. Really great time. <laughs> so, thanks what do you so think? Much. I mean, you've been going to a lot of conventions. I mean, FISM is huge with thousands of people. Did you were you at Blackpool this year by chance? Yeah, I visited Blackpool. I did uh, lecturing also and performing uh, with uh, in the show of uh, Mike Cavani and yep. uh, friends. So it was great experience. Um, but I'm I'm really I'm really enjoy uh, being here during this convention, and uh, it's much more smaller. And in some way, I feel like my more comfortable yeah yeah you know because when it's 3,000 magicians it's really impossible to uh, yeah I feel like I'm just 
inside the building. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just my energy is going away immediately. So yeah. you feel but, like everybody is sucking on you, yeah, yeah, over yeah. your time. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Here, I'm feeling myself very comfortable, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, I don't know it happens every year or not, but this year it's like amazing theater. It's a huge, beautiful stage with the lighting, right. so I really enjoy it. To perform on stage. We've got a professional crew there who does this on a full-time basis. It's not just some magicians who once a year say, we're going to pull out our lights and yeah, sound yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a, a nice theater and a nice venue and everything all takes place. I mean, and uh, did you do well with your lecture today as far as lecture sales and things afterwards? Or You attend my lecture? Yes. Okay. Uh, I will, would like to ask you a few questions. And uh, I saw half of it. I'm sorry I didn't get it sick for the last half. Oh, so let, let's have. Okay, yeah, so sure. you missed a lot. You I'm missed sorry. a lot. You <laughs> missed a lot. Bad. A lot. Oh, okay. But. Uh, I, I ran over to catch uh, Terry Evanswood's show. I never seen Terry perform his stage mm. show, so he was uh, starting his 27th season tonight. So oh, okay. I, uh, I ducked out early to go over there and miss it. It's like, oh, what am I going to do? You know, so I'm sorry. <laughs> mm, okay. So, so what, what are the highlights? Uh, highlights, I don't know. I. <laughs> It's a good good question, good question, because I, I did uh, my first lecture at Blackpool. It was very successful for magicians, and um, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know. What, what, uh, what about just kind of a quick... Uh, I think it's just people. I, I met new people. It's yeah. uh, For me, it's more important. I make new connections, so that's that's great. That's good. Yeah, that's, that's good. really great. And I'm happy that since uh, my performance today was not bad, not bad. Thought so, it was good. Yeah, so that's. I'm happy. That's good. If people happy, I'm happy. Uh, one of the things in your lecture, you had that card shooter. And that's right. Were you selling those also there? Yeah, I was selling uh, card shooter and gravity ball. So it's a ball. Uh, you didn't see it. No. Well, I need to show you. It's well, it's a 1.7 inch ball, but inside it's a amazing two wheels and it's uh, a like low. Gyroscope or something. <laughs> Kind of, kind of, but it's uh, very smooth uh, going uh, by the thread, and I create a lot of interesting movements. So it's kind of new way of levitation of the ball. So and it's very packs like small, but plays big. So and it's nice. Well, some things that you and I talked about the other day uh, had to do with which some things you did have in your lecture, and that is about how that you had developed your act as far as having one thing you're working on, and then three things, and and uh, just keeping it small keeping it compact yeah. and uh, minimalistic. In other yeah. words, uh, you know, uh, too much is too much, and this was just the right amount. And so that was something you uh, were talking about in the lecture, I guess, today as well. Well, yeah. First of all, I was, like, start from performing, and then uh, I did a sequence performance with the luggage, the most common uh, object for ma- yes. magicians, just with a silk. So uh, I feel it's kind of funny and can be useful. And um, then I goes into the uh, into some tricks, and uh, mostly um, I talk about the process of creation of the egg. So I just split, I saw the split, I split this uh, distance into the steps. So I start from the effect search, then I walk in with these different sequences, and then I create a stru- how I create the structure of the act and uh, how I use choreography, body movements, uh, just to make simple tricks, but looks in a just different way. And uh, I talk about uh, character, personality, and... Um, well, and about the music, what's the best way to find the music, so... And, uh, you have a lot of things, a lot of things, yeah. But I, I think in kind of, maybe not so deeply, but also with uh, examples, every time visual example. So people just can understand in my in my way how I, I did it. It's not it's not exactly the steps, you know, but in, in the art there is, I can say, you need to do like this or this way. So, but this helps me, and maybe this knowledge will help someone to find uh, his own way. So that's that. And, and I think that was kind of the key that you're talking about is everybody should find their own way. Your way is different from my way than his way or whatever, and that is part of the problem. People can't find their character or who they are on stage. It's hard to find that. That's why I think they copy other people's acts, thinking, I, li- I think I could be like that guy, you know. Yes. Uh, instead of trying to work on finding who they are, you know. Yeah, well, this is, uh, I talk not about, this is our individuality. 
for example, I, I take you, I'm sure inside of you there is a part of like romantic person, you know, or sometimes like a metal. And there is also a weakness part of our individuality. And sometimes I feel I take some something from me, it's not a fake. So, but I just, oh, I feel myself like this, interesting character. So, a character, but I feel this is my individuality, a little bit strange, so, and I just take it and, uh, yeah, just present it for the audience, so, but it's, I feel, because in, the, in other way, oh, I can put a hat, just imagine who I, and I think it can be fake, same as for the stage movements, you know, a lot of magicians, I told they try, yeah, they try to be beautiful, uh, kind of find movements, but what's the reason? To be beautiful. This is the most boring uh, thing for me to be on stage beautiful, you know, so everything should, all, all the movements, for example, for me, they're coming from the relationship with the object. It's not just because I show sleight of hand. Yeah, it's good, but it's also boring. For one minute, it's okay. But if your phone and me, in some way, we be, it's kind of, kind of a partner on stage in the theater, and I want some way influenced, and maybe the object change me, and find this game, interesting game between us, what we can do. In this way, the, all the movements, they will be appearing easy way, I think so. It will be more natural. It, it would be, and it'd be something that you could write a lot easier because you, if, because you're passionate about whatever that is, and that passion will show through in your performance to the audience too. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. Well, Artem, thanks very much. I appreciate it. Good job. Yeah. I'm glad that you had a good time here. Look forward to uh, seeing you down the road, and I'm sure I will. Thank you so much. Okay. Yeah. So, with the Magic Word Podcast, that was Artem Shukin. This is, I guess, Artem, 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 Artem. Got it there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is Scotty out. <laughs> well, the convention is over, final night, third night, and we just wrapped up the uh, pizza party, and uh, you heard how crowded it was there a while ago. Obviously, everybody is satiated with their appetite and, uh, and also their thirst. So everything has been slaked, including their desire and thirst for magic. We really saw a lot here this week. And so uh, now I thought we'd uh, do a, since we started to begin with, with uh, the fellow who is one of the uh, co-organizers, we'd wrap up with him, and that's Tom Vorjahan. Hey there, Tom. Hello, Scott. You kind of glad you can take a break, a breather now? It's the first time during the weekend that nobody's tapping me on the shoulder wanting me to put out fires. So, yeah. <laughs> and your phone nice. stopped ringing. Yeah, no, not quite yet. But yeah, it's close, almost. We're almost there. So, uh, what were some challenges that you were afraid of, but uh, were able to conquer or overcome, or maybe you shouldn't have been so worried about? Well, it's a volunteer organization. It's a ring that puts us on, and there's four or five of us that do ninety percent work. Ninety percent of the work, yes. And so, but that last ten percent to take you from a mediocre convention to a fantastic convention is critical. And the guys come through every year, and and I think we hit it out of the park again. You know, there were little goofy things. The hotel that we had moved to, all of a sudden with literally like eight, nine days, contacts... Our hotel liaison and says, uh, the furniture's not in, you can't stay here. Wow. And so we had to do all of that, and I feel bad some people are still over there, but I couldn't call the hotel and go, hey, could you tell me the other people's names that are staying at your hotel so we could tell them to move? You know, so there's just certain things, and I, I hope that didn't hurt anybody. I mean, it's literally two traffic lights down the road, so it's it's about as close as you could get to the theater. So, and again, probably didn't need to worry about it. It all worked out in the end. We're it's number 48s in the in the in, in the pocket. And, and well on your way, we're working on 49. Right? I, I, I am actually yes, and 50 simultaneously because uh, I want 50 to be really special and 49. Is going to be incredible along the way. So. Well, you had a lot of really cool stuff in the swag bag. I can't imagine what's going to be coming up. You're going to be giving everybody in the 50th. Yeah, I can't either. 
you know, you hear stories about some other conventions and what they do or what they don't do, or but you know, uh, you know, stickers may be cool with a, a certain group of people, but you can't put a sticker in a bag for a sixty-year-old man. Uh, you know, I'm gonna put them on my computer on my laptop. Well, that's because you're like one of the kids there, <laughs> Scott. You just yeah. so you know, it's a. Uh, um, the, the biggest disappointment that I always have is how do I get the next 10 people here? I don't know what else we do. I mean, we take ads out in the Lincoln Ring. We have a great Facebook presence. We have a great website. We're constantly updating that with all of the performers and stuff. I mean, I think I did about as well as I've ever done to get uh, great talent here and a wide variety of them, from mentalism to children's performers to, to the granddaddy of children's performers like David Ginn and then have Christopher T. that's rewritten how to, to do children's magic. you got Artem who's working with... I can't, I'll never forget the first time I saw that act. And, and he was just as stunning tonight, and you just heard gasps from the audience. He was the only one who got a standing ovation. Absolutely. You know, well-deserved, of course. Uh, you know, the others, I thought, did a great job, but when it came to him, it's like you can't help but immediately rise. You just... You, well, magicians appreciate the amount of work that an act puts into it. Yeah. There, were, there were many points, multiple points of gasps. It's like holy cow, <gasps> you know. <laughs> well, I mean, like yeah. when he's when he's sitting there and during the card sequence, he sucks one card into his lips and after another card into his lips after another card yeah. into his lips, he doesn't miss. No, and then he's like, uh, not only is he flipping cards and shooting cards, he's shooting them with his feet. You know, yeah. Then also over his oh, behind it's his back. Just crazy. Yeah. And the things that are happening because you literally. I still remember after I saw him at the IBM in Atlanta this in July. People said, well, "What kind of act did he did?" I go, "He had a hat and a ball when he started." <laughs> he got a standing ovation. Yeah. And I'm not real sure how to encapsulate no, it after that. No, that's right. That's and, right. and very uh, minimalistic. Well, no, not really. I mean, he, during his lecture, he shows all the little components that went into that. Yeah. And you're like, holy cow. And then how he sequenced them and bringing them together. Yeah. But let's not forget the other acts. you got John Armstrong, who's gone from the king of close-up, mm-hmm. and he's entirely morphed his act to be able to figure out how to feed his wife and now brand-new child, pay for the mortgage and everything else on cruise ships. He figured right. out where he wanted to go, and we got him to do that act. Right. Jonathan Neal. I was so excited when Gary Bartlett helped me get Jonathan Neal for our yeah. convention. And I had talked to Jonathan previously a couple years ago. And he sounded interested, so when I called him with Gary Bartlett sitting next to me, it worked out great. I didn't and, even see Gary here. I knew he was here, but I never got a chance to say hello. Yeah, well, Gary was over at, uh, at Steve's house, and that's where he was staying. So, okay. yeah. Um, and they sat towards the back. Yeah. Um, it's just we love this venue to have a full stage professional crew I think sorry I mean no offense to the SAM IBM or any of the other regional conventions you, you can't beat that you can't when you're uh, working with a crew that that's what they're doing full time and they have professionals come in here all the time and they're these professionals others uh, singers and dancers and bands and uh, whatever are, are expecting and they receive great lighting great sound and whereas magic conventions each time you have somebody say well I got a sound system and they bring that into the banquet room and it works maybe a third of the time so just, it's you know the IBM used to have their conventions over the 4th of July why because no major production was coming into a town. We could use the theater. Right, on the 4th of July, so we could rent the theaters cheaper. You know, like this year we're going up to Pittsburgh as the International Brotherhood of Magicians, and you're in a town with loads of theaters, yet we're going to assemble a stage, lighting, and cameras in the hotel banquet room. Yeah, yeah. Well, Tommy it's, did a great job. Uh, thanks, you buddy. and the rest of the crew. Again, like you said, this is not just a one-person job. We got certainly. some great so, folks. We got some yeah. great folks. You know, it and 
You know, the, the club is about 32 members strong. Several of them are older, so we don't necessarily require them to do stuff. Some of them are younger. We don't require them. If they're under 18, I don't say you got to take off school on Thursday and Friday. You know, and so, um, but boy, it really comes together. You know, and we assign all of our folks a personal assistant. That takes a lot of club members when you're bringing in 16 people. So, you know, we don't want people to not know where to find food or how they're going to go get whatever toilet paper for their trick. How am I going to get to Walmart? Well, that was one of the things that uh, John Armstrong was talking about. You know, his personal assistant said, you want to use my car? I've got an extra vehicle. He had use of a vehicle yeah, the whole week. Don't put that on the podcast. Oh, I'm going to have all these people trying to come in here because they get a car. Well, Can depends. I have the PA that gives you a Jeep? Can yeah. I? Yeah, that's it, what depends, I want. it depends upon the luck of the draw, who you get, I guess. No, and you want to know what? He's a brand new member. Is that right? So we didn't know Within any better. A month. <laughs> Maybe that's it. He'll learn now. John will have ruined it. He's ruined him. That's Put 6,000 right. miles on a car somehow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Well, listen, Tom, great job for you and the crew and the rest of the ring. Thank and, you. Uh, the ring is incredible what they do to pull together and yeah. make this happen. So I think that's a wrap. And so from... Um, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Sitting here in the Ramada at uh, 1135. And because we're going to be springing forward, actually. It's, oh, my uh, gosh. Yeah. It's 1235 now. 1235. I better set my watch now. <laughs> you better do so you don't, you're not late then tomorrow. Uh, it was great to have you here, Scott. Well, thank you. I'm flattered. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, anytime. Okay. So the Podcast. That, it was Tom Gorgehan. And this is a wrap with Scotty out. Oh, I thought it was like...